Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. Good afternoon and welcome into Mass and All Access and happy opening day, Birdland. Take two. Let's try this again. Let's try to get baseball played on the field today at Fenway Park as the Orioles begin their 2021 season. Welcome into Mass and All Access. I'm Paul Mancano, joined by Brendan Mortensen, who is our usual producer and also podcast co-host. And we are going to be previewing the 2021 Orioles season beginning with today's game at 2 o'clock up at Fenway Park. Coverage starting on Masson at 1.30. Brendan, hope springs eternal. That is always the case. Every opening day, every team has a shot on the first day of the season. Yesterday was really the first day of the season around baseball, but today is the first day of the Orioles season. Yeah, hope springs eternal unless there is a little bit of a chance of maybe rain. Yes, exactly. But we're not and salty then- about it. <laughs> not at all. I just want to know for people that if you are in Boston or you went up to the game yesterday, I want to know how much it actually rained between the hours of 2 p.m. and 5 p.m. Well, it it wasn't just us sitting here and saying, ah, it's not raining in Boston. I saw a lot of Boston fans on Twitter complaining about the fact that it just was not raining and they decided to postpone that game so early on in the day. But you know what? We've still got opening day baseball, even if it's a day later than expected. Apparently, everything has to go perfectly. Absolutely Apparently perfectly so. For the they Boston had Red snow Sox in fan. Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> but we couldn't play in the rain. Didn't stop them from, yeah. uh, from playing their opening day game. But the Orioles are playing their first game today at 2 o'clock. Uh, and we are going to be breaking it all down. And honestly, Brendan, regardless of the outcome of today's game, regardless of the score of today's game, It is going to be a win in particular for one player on the field for the Orioles, and that is, of course, Trey Mancini. It has been a long road to return to the field for Trey. We saw him in spring training, but the last time that we saw him on the field for a regular season game was at the very end of the 2019 regular season, the 2019 season in which he won Most Valuable Oriole, put together a phenomenal season, made it to spring training in 2020, Uh, underwent surgery for colon cancer, underwent chemotherapy treatments, made it all the way back to report early for spring training in Sarasota. And here he is in the lineup on game one of 162 playing first. Yeah, it's a really, really exciting day to have Trey Mancini back. I know he came back for spring training, but today it's the regular season. He said uh, in one of his interviews leading up to spring training that the comeback would really feel complete once he played that first regular season game. Yeah, and it's going to be a, a great moment, I'm sure, for him today, and then an even better moment, perhaps, in a week's time when we see him on the field at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, and we get to see Orioles fans uh, give him a standing ovation for the first time since the 2019 season. But Let's take a look back at the journey of Trey Mancini. What a long year plus it has been for Trey, all that he has undergone uh, during what was a difficult for year for everyone. It was an especially difficult year for Trey, um, but a courageous fight and a very impressive uh, turnaround and comeback for Trey. There's also the question of what we can expect from him in the field, at the plate, from a day-to-day basis, production-wise, Last time we saw him, of course, on the field, he hit 291. He had 35 homers. What do you think we can expect from him uh, 
production-wise for this 2021 season? Well, look, everything he has said in spring training is that he feels pretty similarly to how he felt in 2019. So until he gives us a reason to not believe that he's going to be the same player, I think he's going to put up pretty similar numbers to what he did in 2019. I think he showed a lot of improvement that season, even from 2018, 2017. And I don't think there's any reason to believe that we will see a huge drop-off from Trey Mancini. I think it's possible that maybe with the different baseballs this year too, we might see a few less home runs, but... I don't know. I think we'll see pretty similar production from Mancini this year. And the the thing that I would I, I would agree on the most part, the only thing I would worry about is stamina and him being able to hold up over the course of a long season because he he said he feels great now. He certainly uh, has appeared to feel great right now, hitting three thirty three in spring. Um, but if everybody was without baseball for most of the year last year, and Trey Mancini was without baseball for the entire year. So you wonder about his body being able to hold up over the long haul, but I trust Brandon Hyde to be able to determine when Trey is good to go and when he's not and give him a day off when he needs it, give him a day to DH as opposed to be at first base when he needs it. Um, so I don't expect the full 162 from Trey. I think that's probably asking a little bit too much, uh, but I expect him to be in the lineup most days at first base when he's in the lineup most of the time. Uh, and producing to a similar level to the last time we saw him in the regular season. Well, that's a big difference this year between now and 2019. He's not in right field anymore. We yeah. probably won't see Trey Mancini play many, if really any, games in right field in 2021. So I think that will start, certainly help uh, with the stamina aspect that you were talking about, Paul. If he's playing a lot of DH and first base, he'll be able to ramp up that way. And obviously the production that you're hoping for from Trey Mancini is much more so at the plate than it is yeah. in the field. Yeah. So Trey was included on that uh, opening day roster, which we got yesterday. He was not a surprise to be on there, but there were some surprises on that 26-man opening day roster for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, first and foremost, we saw two guys added to the 60-day IL. We knew that they were coming for quite a while, but both Chris Davis and Hunter Harvey begin the season on the 60-day injured list. You have DJ Stewart beginning the season on the 10-day injured list. He's been out for the most part of spring as he uh, comes back from an injury. And then you saw some maneuvering in the bullpen and with that rotation. Uh, certainly, probably, I would say the five guys in the rotation are not the five that we expected at the beginning of spring training. Uh, and the guys in the bullpen, even, there were some uh, maneuverings that we were not expecting. Cole Sulcer making the roster, Travis Lakins not making the roster and heading back down to AAA, and Dylan Tate receiving one of those final spots in the bullpen along with Wade LeBlanc. Yeah, there were a few guys that I would say are probably my biggest surprises. I'll give you three. First one being Cole Sulcer, yeah. who was not very good last season, and he wasn't overwhelmingly good in spring training. He was better than Dylan Tate and Travis Lakins. But I think if you're looking at those three, you would probably lean towards somebody like Travis Lakins, who had a very good 2020 season and just had a rough spring training. But Travis Lakins, of course, with those two minor league options, you can afford to put him down in AAA for now and keep Cole Sulcer on the roster, at least for a little while. The second name, Max Soroller. Yeah, I was a little surprised by didn't have a great spring training, gave up five earned runs in seven innings pitched, but he is the rule five guy. He does have that potential. And when you have other bullpen pieces that have those minor league options, it might be worth at least trying Max Roller out at the major league level and seeing what he can do. And then the third name I have, Paul, Real Ruiz. 
if you told me once the Orioles signed Michael Franco that Rio Ruiz would still make the Orioles opening day roster, I would have thought you were crazy. If you told me he was going to play second base, I would have told you you were crazier. But Rio Ruiz, your opening day Orioles starting second baseman. Yeah, that's the biggest surprise for me. Let's take a look at the lineup for today. Lineup card being... Uh, Produced by Brandon High not too long ago. Cedric Mullins is your center fielder on opening day. Leading off, of course, he is hitting from the left side of the plate exclusively in 2021. That's a change from previously when he was a switch hitter. Trey Mancini batting second and at first base, followed by Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle as your 3-4 punch. That top four guys in the lineup, Brendan, I think, is one of the best one, two, three, four punches uh, in the maybe not one of the best, but one of the better in the American League. Well, it's maybe one of the better in the American League, and it's also, I think, the best that we've seen from the Orioles in a yeah. while. Yeah. Cedric Mullins has shown in spring training, especially with that s- switch over to just being a left-handed hitter, he has been hitting the ball well. Trey Mancini back in the lineup is, of course, a huge addition back for the Orioles this season. And then Anthony Santander had his breakout last year. And, of course, Ryan Mountcastle, who was hitting the cover off the ball both in the minors and then once he came up to the Orioles last season. So that one, two, three, four. I wouldn't imagine that that is going to change too awful much throughout the season. Maybe with Austin Hayes, you could put up there, who's been fantastic in spring training so far. But that one, two, three, four, like you said, really, really good. Yeah, seeing Mancini and Mountcastle in the same lineup with the Baltimore Orioles is an exciting feeling. Yes. Rio Ruiz at second base, as mentioned by Brendan. In the five hole, followed by Austin Hayes in left. Michael Franco gets his first start at third base of the season. Freddie Galvis is at short. Pedro Severino is your opening day catcher. And, of course, John Means on the mound. He was supposed to make his first opening day start of his career in 2020. That was delayed by injury, so he gets his first opening day start today. Great to see John Means finally get that uh, victory of being able to start on an opening day. Finally, it it took long enough. There were probably two seasons of John Means. Uh, He should have been the opening day starter last year, and now he finally gets the opportunity. But, Paul, looking at this lineup from top to bottom, it's pretty solid one through nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Austin Hayes uh, hitting out of the sixth spot. I'm sure that he will get some time to hit leadoff at some point over the course of the season. He has speed, and Brandon Hyde certainly likes his ability to put the bat on the ball. He had an awesome spring training as well, hitting almost 400, but so did Cedric Mullins, who is your leadoff hitter today. So Ryan Mountcastle, we thought, might get a shot at left field on opening day, but given the fact that Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes both were outstanding this spring, you had to keep them in the lineup and in the outfield, and of course, Anthony Santander, you had to stick and right. Cedric Mullins has been fantastic with the bat and you know what he gives you defensively and I think keeping him out of the lineup just wouldn't be a good idea especially for opening day. So you have him in center field. You've got to keep Austin Hayes in there as well and left. If you've been listening to the Mass and All Access podcast through spring training, you know I have been hammering putting Ryan Mountcastle at either first or DH, and I get my wish today, which is nice. Let's take a look at the pitchers and how they line up, especially for the first couple weeks of the season. Orioles going with 14 pitchers on their opening day roster. We knew this was a possibility, and now it becomes a reality. Five in the rotation, so they are not going with a six-man rotation. However, That bullpen is absolutely loaded, and part of it is due to the fact 
that Sean Armstrong is on the paternity list. Congratulations to him. I believe the baby was born yesterday, so that's exciting news. And, of course, he should be back with the team at some point soon. But for now, that opens up a spot in the bullpen. Hunter Harvey, as mentioned, is on the 60-day injured list. Both Rule 5 guys, Max Aroller, as you mentioned, Brendan, and Tyler Wells, making this opening day roster. Awesome news for both of those young pitchers. Well, not only is the bullpen loaded, Paul, there's also a bunch of guys who can pitch a lot of innings out of that bullpen, which I think is going to be pretty necessary as you go along in this 2021 season, not just for the Orioles, but for a lot of teams around Major League Baseball as you're trying to get those starters back ramped up after not having thrown a lot of innings last season. But you look at the bullpen and you count those guys that can throw three, four innings, Cesar Valdez, Adam Plutko, Tyler Wells, Max Roller, Wade LeBlanc. I mean, all of those guys could realistically come in in the second or third inning if you yeah. needed them to and maybe make spot starts here and there. So it's a very well-balanced bullpen that can really help out the starting rotation. One through five in that rotation, I think a couple of weeks ago would have come to a surprise to most outside observers. But when you dig deeper into the John Means, Matt Harvey, Bruce Zimmerman, Jorge Lopez, Dean Kramer, the order of those guys, over the course of their careers, and their careers have not been particularly long, but Dean Kramer is lined up to face the Yankees in his first game of the season. So he is skipping these this first series against the Red Sox. That makes a little bit of sense. Dean Kramer only got four starts last year, but two of those came against the Yankees in which he dominated them. 11 innings pitched, just two earned runs and 14 Ks. So he gets a chance to start the season off on the right foot, especially considering against the Red Sox last year in his final start of the season, Dean Kramer was hit around a little bit. Seven earned runs in two and two thirds. So he will get a chance to start up at Yankee Stadium as opposed to Fenway. Yeah, not only was Dean Kramer really impressive in his rookie season, What made it more impressive was that his first few games, he was pitching against the Yankees, which is arguably the best lineup in baseball, if not top two or three for sure. So that was incredibly impressive that Dean Kramer was not only to be able to be solid in his major league debuts, but it was against the New York Yankees. So if you can line him up to pitch against those Yankees again, maybe that's the confidence boost he needs for the 2021 season. Of course. And then Jorge Lopez... Not to the same extent, but he experienced more success against the Yankees last year when he was a member of the Baltimore Orioles than he did against the Red Sox. Five innings, just three earned runs against the Yankees in a start, and compared to his start against the Red Sox, in which he gave up five earned runs in four innings pitched. So both of those guys, the four or five spots in your rotation, they are saved for the games against the Yankees. But these three in the rotation, uh, starting off the season... Uh, John Means, of course, gets the ball today. Matt Harvey tomorrow. And then Bruce Zimmerman. What a story for the guy, the local product. Not only making this rotation, but getting the third spot in the rotation is an incredible uh, achievement. Spring training numbers don't matter until they really, really do. And if you throw nine innings and strike out 10 and don't allow a run... That's a pretty solid case to make the starting rotation. And especially in an Orioles rotation that was pretty wide open going into the season. We knew about John Means and Dean Kramer. We thought we knew about Keegan Aiken. But it really turned out that the final three spots in the Orioles rotation were up for grabs. And whoever showed the most in spring training, that's who got the job. You mentioned Keegan Aiken there. Of course, he got optioned down to AAA shortly before the season began, about a week ago. 
a guy that many had penciled into their rotation, maybe as the third spot in that rotation, right behind John Means and Dean Kramer. Uh, But Keegan Aiken will start the season down at AAA Norfolk. He gave up nine earned runs, or ten earned runs, rather, in nine innings this spring. Uh, Certainly struggled, and it just seems like the coaching staff and Mike Elias in the front office want to see Keegan Aiken then the next time he returns to the big league action, make sure that he has his mechanics down and especially his command, which really struggled in spring. Yeah, we don't know too much of what went behind the demotion of Keegan Aiken down at AAA, but you have to imagine that it's not really a numbers issue from what he was giving up in spring training. You would have to imagine that if he is back down at the alternate site after having a decent 2020 season it wasn't an amazing rookie campaign but he was solid you would have to imagine that it is probably a mechanical issue yeah just something that you need to correct before you're back at the major league level and hopefully Keegan Aiken is able to make a pretty quick return back up to the Orioles yeah as mentioned I I said triple a Norfolk but of course that season does not begin at least for a month we don't know exactly when these minor league seasons are going to begin as the minor leagues has reshuffled in this 2021 season uh, but they are also on hold as the alternate sites have reopened. Down in Bowie, the Baltimore Orioles are hosting their alternate site, similar to what we saw in the 2020 season. It's going to be a lot of guys that are close to the bigs that would have been in AAA and maybe some top prospects there as well. Yeah, I honestly doubt that Keegan Aiken even pitches for AAA Norfolk because I think by the time he's called back up to the Orioles, I don't even know if that season will have started yet. Yeah. So I would imagine that Keegan Aiken is probably up pretty quickly. If I had to guess, I would probably say late April, maybe early May. Yeah. Well, we saw Keegan Aiken, Dean Kramer, and Bruce Zimmerman all make their big league debuts in 2020. What Orioles prospects could we see make their big league debuts in 2021? There is a long list of guys who might make their Baltimore debuts in this 162-game season. I want to key in on four names I mentioned in that piece. Mike Bauman, Zach Lowther, Kevin Smith, and Alexander Wells. These four guys, last time we saw them in minor league action, were all pitching at the AA level, and all of them, with the exception of Alexander Wells, were at the alternate site. Wells's absence from that alternate site was due to the fact that he is an Australian native and wanted to stay home, and of course, Mike Elias thought he had a good setup back at home, so they thought, let's not bring him stateside. Let's let him get his work over in Australia. But these four guys are all have the potential to make their big league debuts in 2021. All are 25 and younger. Um, and all four of these guys are ranked in the top 25 in the Orioles farm system per MLB pipeline. So, Brendan, those four guys we could see potentially in the Orioles rotation this upcoming season. But was, any guys I didn't mention in that piece that you think are under-the-radar candidates to make their debuts this year. Yeah, I really like Tyler Nevin. I I like what he was showing in spring training so far this year, and I think he has a pretty good chance to find a role, whether it's first base, third base, DH. He's a good hitter, and he just is a good all-around prospect, and I think somebody like that can can find his pathway to the majors somehow. Yeah, one guy that I also think might make his debut this year— Maybe a little bit of a long shot, but another guy like Nevin who came over via trade last summer, uh, Terran Vavra. He has the potential to play uh, in the infield and also has gotten some work in the outfield as well. We last saw him on the field in the minor league action at the high A level over in the Colorado Rockies system. 
Uh, but he is 23 years old, which is the same age as Jemai Jones. Uh, so I think that there's a chance that we could see him this year for the Orioles. Whether that spot opens up in the infield for him or not, though, um, will be determined because currently Freddie Galvis is holding down, that, holding down that shortstop spot, but there could be some playing time available later on in the season, especially at second and third base, Brendan. Yeah, unless Rio Ruiz shocks us all and holds down second base for the year. I mean, we really have no idea about how he's going to play second, but I think the infield in particular is pretty wide open. We know yeah. that the outfield is crowded and there are some prospects that could come up this year, but the infield especially, if you are able to make your mark, you can really find a place in the Orioles infield this season. Well, it wouldn't be the start of the season if we didn't have predictions ready for you. Time for us to go on record with our predictions that look back in a few months, and honestly, most of these will be wrong, but we're going we're gonna to throw out what we have for now. We're going to go through some statistical categories and who we think might lead the Orioles in those categories. But first, Brendan... Who do you think by season's end will be the 2021 most valuable Oriole? I feel like this might be a little bit of a cheesy pick, but I'm going to go with Trey Mancini. I mean, I think he has a chance to put up similar numbers to what he did in 2019. And even if he doesn't, even if he is pretty close to those 2019 numbers, the fact that Trey Mancini is back playing baseball with the Baltimore Orioles in 2021. Not only is his value going to be shown at the plate in the field, but you know his value is going to be there in the clubhouse. It is such an uplifting story for the rest of the team that I think just Trey Mancini's return alone puts him in the conversation for most valuable Oriole before he hits a single base hit, home run, whatever. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mancini as well, though I think Ryan Mountcastle, John Means, Austin Hayes, all three of those guys uh, could be candidates. And of course, last year it was Anthony Santander, a guy that not many of us predicted would win most valuable Oriole by season's end. So somebody could come out of the woodwork uh, to take that award as well. I think the big thing for Austin Hayes, he'd probably be my second spot, just has to stay healthy for this 2021 season. Yeah, I think my runner up would probably be Ryan Mountcastle because I am very optimistic yeah. about how his season is going to go. Well, let's get into our statistical leader predictions here, and let's start with batting average. Who do you think is going to lead the Orioles in batting average in 2021? Uh, Paul, you're going to notice a trend here with me. I'm going to go with Ryan Mountcastle. I, I, he was very, very good in his rookie campaign last year, and I think he has a chance to continue to build on that. So I, I think Ryan Mountcastle has a chance to lead the Orioles in average, not only because he is a great hitter for average, a little bit underrated, I think, in that he also hits for a lot of power, but there aren't a lot of high average hitters on the Orioles this season. The other candidates probably being Trey Mancini, maybe Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, but I think Ryan Mountcastle of that bunch has a chance to really separate himself. Yeah, Mountcastle hit 333 last year, of course, playing in half of the already shortened 2020 season. But last time we saw Trey on the field, he hit 291. Um, so he definitely has the potential there as well. I'm going to go with Trey Mancini here for leading the team in batting average just because I think that there is a chance. I don't think it's high, but there's a chance that Mountcastle has a little bit of a sophomore slump when you consider just how few games he got at the big league level last year. I do think he'll be very productive. The power in the middle of that lineup will absolutely help and will complement Trey Mancini. But for now, I'm going to go with Mancini. Let's, yeah. let's go over to home runs. Who do you think is going to lead the team in home runs in 2021, Brendan? I'm, just go I'm going back and forth here. 
and one of two guys uh, one of two guys pretty <laughs> yeah. much and uh this time we're going back to trey mancini you know he he hit what 35 home runs in 2019 and even if he falls off a little bit here in 2021 i think he could hit somewhere in the range of 25 to 28 home runs yeah and i don't know if i see another oriole eclipsing that i think ryan mountcastle again has a chance to get close to that I think that both of them are probably going to be in the mid-20s if I had to guess, but I'm going to put my money on Trey Mancini as the Orioles' home run leader. The thing is, the Orioles' home run leader might not have to hit all that many this year because the baseball is supposedly dejuiced, deadened a little bit in this 2021 season. They're trying it out and going to see what the results uh, bear out because... Trey Mancini, those 35 homers, maybe the team leader by the end of this 2021 season could have 29 or fewer than 30 homers uh, because there are fewer home runs hit around baseball this year. But uh, yeah, I think it's either Mountcastle or Mancini. I'll put my money on Mancini. And similar to OPS here, who you think is going to lead the team in OPS? One of those two guys. Yeah, back and forth we go. I'm going to go Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, me too. I, I 878 OPS for Mountcastle in 2020. Whether he can adjust at the plate or not, we have yet to see. But of all the guys in that lineup, I have the most confidence in either Mountcastle or Mancini. Because Brian Mountcastle's plate discipline is also great. We know the slugging percentage is going to be there. So Mountcastle gets my vote. And if Anthony Santander sticks with the Orioles for the entirety of this 2021 season, he could sneak in and steal one of these categories as well. Let's get into stolen bases. Who do you think is going to lead the O's in stolen bags this year? I think there's probably two candidates being Cedric Mullins and Austin Hayes. And maybe if Jemai Jones gets called up at some point, but he's going to have an uphill battle. So I'm going with Cedric Mullins. Led the team last year in stolen bases with seven. Nobody else was particularly close. We know Cedric Mullins likes to play his small ball. He gets on base with bunts. He steals bases. I'm going to go Cedric Mullins. This one's close for me because I think we're also going to see Ryan McKenna make his big league debut this year. This is true. Stole a lot of bags for AA Bowie. I believe over 20, maybe 25 bags for AA Bowie in the 2019 season. Um, He got an extended run this spring, which leads me to believe that he's going to make his debut fairly early in this 2021 season. I was going to go with Mullins. I think that Mullins is the chalk pick and makes sense here. But you know what? I'll put my money on Ryan McKenna. I Ooh, feel like there's going off the board a little bit. There is a chance, and especially guys that make their big league debut, sometimes they go out of their way to impress. He could be t- attempting to steal a lot of bags this year. Uh, so I think Ryan McKenna leads the team in stolen bases. That's a bold choice, and I like it. Thank you. Let's go into pitching. Starter ERA, who leads the team? I am going with Dean Kramer. Okay. Maybe he just pitches against the Yankees every game this season and has an ERA of zero. It was either Kramer or John Means for me. I think those are probably the two most logical choices. But from what we saw from Dean Kramer last year, the stuff is there. And hopefully another season in the majors, he's able to put it together even more so than he did last year. I think Dean Kramer has the potential to strike a lot of people out and have a low ERA. So I'm going to go Dean Kramer. Yeah, you take out that final start of the year against the Red Sox and Dean Kramer in those first three starts, a 169 ERA. That's good. It is a shame that he had that final start of the year because those first three starts, he was absolutely electric. And it wasn't just the numbers. He was legitimately fooling one of the best lineups in baseball in the New York Yankees. Uh, His stuff is incredible. He's got four legit pitches. I think that Dean Kramer will definitely... 
have some rough patches this season. I don't think it's fair to expect that he comes in and wins the Cy Young, but he has the potential to be a fixture in this rotation, I think, for years to come. So Dean Kramer, I'm going to go with, sure, I'll throw in there as my team leader in starter ERA. There's going to be some growing pains for sure, but John Means we know is the ace of the rotation, but he doesn't have a particularly low ERA. So I think it's not a, a super high number to beat there. And I think that there are guys that have not are, are not on this opening day roster. Some of the guys I mentioned earlier on that could be the team leader by season's yeah. end in starter ERA, depending on when they make their debuts in a Mike Bauman, a Zach Lowther, uh, Kevin Smith, one of those guys. Uh, how about reliever ERA, Brendan? Reliever ERA, I think there's a few different choices here. Uh, I think the big two are probably Tanner Scott and Cesar Valdez. It feels like we're picking between two guys for a lot of these stat leaders here. I'm going to go with Tanner Scott. Uh, Impressed me a lot last season. We heard other people in the American League say that he has some of the best left-handed stuff in the entire American League. So if he's able to continue to put that together a little bit, I think Tanner Scott has a chance to continue to lead this bullpen. Cesar Valdez has been fantastic. I don't know if he can continue to fool people with that changeup. Fingers crossed that he is able to, but I'm going to go with Tanner Scott. Yeah, the dead fish. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Tanner Scott certainly has the stuff, and that's why last season was so exciting because we had heard about that stuff and how great it was for so long, and we'd seen flashes of it over the course of his Orioles career, but last year he finally put it all together and put an absolutely outstanding season out there. Uh, Yeah, Cesar Valdez, I think, is another candidate here. I think Paul Fry, despite the fact that he had a very rough spring, oftentimes for relievers, the spring spring training stats rather really don't uh, show what the, the regular season is going to show. So I think Paul Fry has a chance there as well, but I think your best bet, I'm going to go with Cesar Valdez just because I want to see this guy continue to succeed because he's been one of the Orioles' better stories over the past year. Yeah, how fun is it that yeah. Cesar Valdez just came out of nowhere and just dominated the American yeah. League last year? On, on one of the youngest rosters in baseball. Yes. Um, all right, how about wins? Uh, this is going to come down to another few guys, and I think that this this category probably takes some of these guys, the Baumans, the Lowthers, the Wells, out of here because they're not going to be with the team long enough to earn as many wins. John Means, I'm going to guess, is going to be your, your pick here, Brendan. Yeah, that's correct. I'm yeah, going with me John too. Means. Uh, if for no other reason, because if you had to make a guess as to which Orioles starter was going to start the most games in 2021, my guess would be John Means. Yeah. So more starts, more possibilities for wins. John Means is the ace of the rotation. And if he is continuing to show that a little bit uptick in velocity that he was showing in spring training, learning how to control it a little bit better than he did in 2020, I think John Means can win some games. I'm going to put him in this category as well. And when we get into saves, our final statistical prediction here, um, I'm going to go with Tanner Scott. So I went with Valdez for reliever ERA, but I believe Valdez is going to be used in all kinds of roles. I could see him starting some games. I could see him as the long man out of the bullpen. We saw some three-inning performances from him last year. Brandon Hyde loves the fact that he is so versatile. So I think uh, Cesar Valdez will be used in all kinds of roles. May not be your closer. I think Tanner Scott, by season's end, might end up uh, with the most saves. But probably going to be an, an eighth or seventh inning guy for Tanner Scott. 
Yeah, we are just flip-flopping here on our predictions, yeah, Paul. It's, it's I'm tough. I'm going with Cesar Valdez just because it doesn't really seem like there is a natural closer on the team right now. I think Tanner Scott is pretty cemented into that seventh, eighth inning role. I think he could be a closer, but I think Brandon Hyde would rather have him be in that setup role a little bit more. I think it's possible that Cesar Valdez not only leads the Orioles in saves this year, but also starts a few games. Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. It, it's great. And Brandon Hyde is going to be happy to have yeah. a guy like that back uh, for the Orioles in 2021. All right. How about some bold predictions? Let's do it. Some bold, three bold predictions for yeah. your 2021 Baltimore Orioles. Could be anything on the board. Brendan, give us your first. My first, Paul, is that there are going to be not one, but two Oriole All-Stars this season. I think the first one is going to be Ryan Mountcastle. I am not predicting a sophomore slump. I think Ryan Mountcastle is going to continue his prowess at the plate. And I think the second one's going to be Trey Mancini. And I don't think it's going to be a vote of look how cool this story is. I think Trey Mancini is going to be one of the better hitters in the American League. And I think he'll find himself on the all-star team. That's a pretty good prediction. I think that there's a good chance that they have two. Who those two players will be, I think, could be any number of guys. Yes. The, the tough part about that prediction is that if Mountcastle and Mancini both make the all-star team, they're probably both making it as first base DH. Yeah. So that's tough. That's tough to have two guys from the same team fill up the same position on an all-star game. But what can I say? I'm optimistic about those two. Yeah, that's fair enough. My first one is also all-star related. Dean Kramer is going to be an all-star this year. Ooh. Might be the Orioles' only representative, but I'm, I'm going to go with Dean Kramer just because I feel like his stuff is so good that he can put together a stretch where he is electric. And all you need to do for the All-Star game is have a good first three months, essentially, and you, are, you find yourself on the All-Star game roster. Um, we saw that from John Means a couple years ago. He had that excellent first half, stumbled a little bit in the second half, so maybe his numbers by season's end didn't exactly make him an all-star level player, but he had an excellent first half and that deserved to get him in there. For me, Dean Kramer can put together that string of 10, you know, 12 starts for the first half of the 2021 season uh, and get him to the first all-star game. And Kramer might benefit a little bit too from the fact that because he's such a young pitcher, there's not really a book on him yet. Yeah. So maybe early on in this season before hitters are really able to figure out what he does, he might have an opportunity to fool a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, what's your second bold prediction, Brendan? My second bold prediction, I don't know how bold this is because it has been tossed around a lot, but my bold prediction is that Anthony Santander gets traded at some point for a few reasons. One, because I think there are going to be some contending teams that could use another good outfielder. Look at the White Sox with Eloy Jimenez, who is out for an extended period of time. They could use an outfielder. A team like the Twins could use another outfielder after letting go of Eddie Rosario this year. So I think a contender is going to be very interested in Anthony Santander. And I think if you're Mike Elias, if you have an opportunity to open up a spot in your outfield, especially with guys like Ryan McKenna and Yusniel Diaz on the horizon, if you can get some really good prospects in return, I know it's going to be tough to part with Anthony Santander because of how good he was last year and how good he can be going forward. 
but it might just be a good opportunity to not only get some great prospects, but also open up another spot for either Ryan McKenna or using the LDS. And you still have Heston Kerstad, who is supposed to arrive at the alternate site, could be your long-term fixture in right field right. a few years down the line. So maybe you cash in on Santander's good season now. A few years away for Heston Kerstad, but this is an established college bat. He yeah. isn't a high school draft pick, so he might be able to make his major league debut within the next few years. Yeah. My second bold prediction also has to do with a trade. The Orioles are able to get a positive return for Pedro Severino at the trade deadline. Just throwing it out there. Pedro Severino had an excellent first half of last season. Of course, it was only a 30-game sample size, but he was basically a first-half all-star last year. Um, one of the better hitting catchers um, in the American League in 2020. Stumbled a bit down the stretch, but if he can show that he can put everything together for an extended period of time, I think there's a chance he ends up getting flipped. And of course, he is in the middle of his arbitration years, uh, so that adds extra incentive to deal him as well. And when you open up a spot at catcher, Brendan... You start talking about a little Adley Rutschman. Yeah, I was going to say, Paul, I like that prediction because there might be a catcher that is uh, knocking on the door right yeah. around the trade deadline. And if you can get something for Pedro Severino, if you know that you have a starting caliber catcher coming up within the next few weeks around that trade deadline, might as well. Yeah. Third bold prediction? Third bold prediction uh, is going to be about Keegan Aiken. I think he is going to return pretty soon, and I think he might make a few starts, but... By the end of the year, I think we see Keegan Aiken in the bullpen rather than the rotation. I think Keegan Aiken has been solid so far. He hasn't been great. He hasn't shown anything particularly flashy in the Orioles' starting pitching rotation. And I think by the time guys like Mike Bauman and Zach Lowther are ready to come up to the majors, you'd probably rather have them get shots in the rotation rather than Keegan Aiken. He might just be the odd man out. So I think once Keegan Aiken returns, he has a chance to make a few spot starts here and there. But I think Keegan Aiken, by year's end, will be in the Orioles' bullpen rather than the starting rotation. I could very much see that. I think he will make his return to the big league roster at some point earlier on. You thought he probably won't even pitch in a game down at AAA. I think that's maybe true. Um, by the time that season gets start, starts back up, he will make his way back up. But yeah, I think there is a, a chance that he is a better fit as a long man out of the bullpen long term. My final prediction, going off the board a little bit. Kyle Bradish, a name Orioles fans are not all that familiar with. He was acquired as part of the deal for Dylan Bundy when they shipped him out to L.A. Had an outstanding summer last year at the alternate site from all that we heard from the reports. Guy who has flown up the Orioles' prospect list, I think he could make his debut this year. It may be a little bit of an outside shot here, and there may be some guys ahead of him, but I think that there is a chance, given what we have heard the organization say about this guy, that he could make his debut maybe even in July and Kyle Bradish could find his way into the rotation. Just, just throwing it out there. Well, we said bold predictions. Exactly. That one's that living one's up bold. to it. That yeah. one's bold. All right, let's get into our AL East predictions here, Brendan. Standings. Yeah. And our final win-loss totals for the American League East. Let's start with yours. All right, let's do it. The AL East standings predictions. I think the Yankees win this division. Uh, Toronto, I have at 87 and 75. I think Tampa Bay is going to be better than people expect. I have them at 85 and 77. Tampa Bay just always finds a way to be good. I don't know what it is. 
they will just figure it out. Yeah. Like they have Chris Archer back and they'll fr- probably figure out how to make him into an ace again. Tampa Bay just always seems to figure it out. Boston, they have the lineup. I just don't know if they have the pitching. The lineup will get them to just slightly above 500. I don't know if they will get much higher than that because the pitching, I just don't know if it'll hold up. And then Baltimore, I have at 68 and 94. It is just a terribly difficult division. It's a very strong American League. I think Baltimore will pick it up towards the end of the year, especially. I think it'll be a much better second half than first half in Baltimore once those prospects that get called up. So I have the Orioles at 68 and 94 this season. I think that's a pretty fair guess. I also have the same order of got, of teams, rather, uh, one through five, New York, Toronto, Tampa, Boston, and of course, Baltimore. I'm a little bit more bullish on the Yankees. I think uh, so long as they can stay healthy, that's been the story for the Yankees for the past couple of years, then yeah. they can win over 100 games. I have them winning 103. I think Toronto, this is the year that they push past uh, and get into the second spot. Uh, in that division, I think that there is a very good chance uh, that everything comes together for them between the young core and the veterans that they have, like Hyunjin Ryu and George Springer. I think that everything could come together for a playoff team in Toronto. If the pitching holds up in Toronto, that's the thing too, kind of a similar scenario that I had to Boston there. They've got Ryu. He is a fantastic number one. It's the rotation after that that has the big question marks for me. Yeah, Uh, and then Tampa Bay, even though shipping off uh, Blake Snell and some of their better players, I agree. They're going to find a way. They they uncover uh, hidden gems better than almost any other team in baseball, maybe other, uh, other than Oakland. Uh, and then Boston, I do think that they are going to be slightly better than the Orioles this year. I have them winning 78 games. The Orioles come up just shy of 100 losses, win 63 games, go 63 and 99 for this upcoming season. But look, last year we were very wrong about our predictions. We, we said were. that the Orioles might uh, win only 20, 19 games. I think I had 19 as their prediction. Ended up winning 25 in that shortened season. And not only not finishing last in baseball in terms of record, finishing uh, fifth, so they get the fifth overall pick in this Jul- July's draft, but also Boston Red Sox were even a little bit worse than the than the Orioles, so the O's were not dead last in the division last year, Brendan. Yeah, I think I had them going 20 and 40 last year but like I said I think the Orioles will continue to get better as the season goes along especially once some of those prospects hopefully get called up I think we will see a lot of improvement over the second half of the season and even if we are still you know looking at an Orioles scenario that is wins in the 60s and losses in the 90s there's a lot of promise and I think you are going to see continual improvement throughout the season and that's the thing to get excited about well it all starts today Orioles taking on the Red Sox up at Fenway Park First pitch comes at 2.10. Of course, we'll have coverage on Masson today for opening day. You can catch the O's all weekend up at Fenway Park uh, on Masson or Masson 2. Um, be sure to tune in for that, of course, and uh, tune into the Masson All Access podcast. We just came out with an episode this past Tuesday. If you don't listen, you should. You can find it on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and, of course, watch it on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. He's Brendan Mortensen at Brendan Morty on Twitter. Be sure to give him a follow. Follow at Mass and Orioles for all our updates throughout today's game, throughout the weekend's game, throughout our 162-game season, which kicks off today. I'm Paul Mancano at Paul Mancano on Twitter. Thanks to Hannah Broder behind the scenes as always. Happy opening day, Birdland.